Oh, come on, keep it going for a few minutes. I tell you what, we got to learn to worship him even when there's no music. Amen? He's worthy to be worshiped. And I hope you came expecting an encounter with God today. Huh? Like three people? Cool. Anybody else? No, seriously, because you didn't come to watch them perform worship. You didn't watch, you didn't come to watch me preach from the Bible. You came to have an experience with God, right? Because that's what changes lives. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your spiritual journey looks like. Uh, I don't know if you even know Christ yet or not, but I know this, that he loves you more than you could ever imagine, right? And that you put yourself in the right spot today to have an encounter with God. Amen? You put yourself in the right spot to have an encounter with God. And I tell you what, he will not resist hunger. He never does. So if you're hungry in this place today, I just want you to tell him that you want something from him. Before we even start here, I just want to... I just want you to worship him for just about maybe five, ten more seconds. But when you do that, I want it to be out of faith. I want you to say, man, like maybe I don't feel like worshiping or maybe, maybe everybody else doesn't know what's going on in my life. But I'm going to worship you through that because I acknowledge who you are. Amen? So listen, is he worthy to be worshipped for ten more seconds? Come on, shout it out to him. Shout it out. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come on. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, give him a last shout. Yeah. Woo! 8.30's ready to go. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Rob, one of the pastors here. Uh, it's an honor to be here this morning. It is. And uh, we want to welcome our, our folks online. We want to welcome Audubon and Olwine, our campuses out there. Um, pretty cool thing yesterday in Audubon was T-Bone Days. Now, if that ain't an awesome name for a town celebration, T-Bone Days. But our worship team from the church was there in the park at the town square worshiping during the day when all the festivities were going on. Isn't that amazing? It's so cool. So cool. Incredible things happening up in, uh, up in Owine as well. So be praying for our campuses. God wants to, to do things in other communities other than just Des Moines and Clive. Amen? And you guys are part of that, so it's really, really cool. Um, and if you would, just remain standing for the next few minutes. It's kind of our custom before we read the, until we read the first scripture. Um, but uh, this is the last week of SummerSlam. Come on, SummerSlam, it's been good. Pastor Jesse's back next week, so get ready, buckle up. Uh, he's been gone for a few weeks on vacation because, you know, you got to get recharged. But when you're a pastor and you've been gone a few weeks... Man, it's going to be on fire next week, right? Like, I can't even imagine all the things that are going to come out of him next week, right? So be praying for him. Uh, be praying for his family. Um, it really is an honor to serve with these guys. Um, they're amazing pastors and, and spiritual leaders, um, ministry leaders, but, but even more than that, um, or just as much as that, they're amazing friends and human beings, right? So be praying for your leaders often, because a lot of times as the leadership goes in the church, so the church ends up going, Right? So be praying for your leaders, and I know you guys appreciate them, love them, um, but when, they, uh, when they're back here, make sure, you, make sure you hug them. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now listen, we're going to talk about something this morning that's super, super exciting to me, and it's about Peter. The title of this message is And Peter. And, uh, and Peter, Andy Peter, like uh, we're going to jump into what that means, but Peter, as most of you know, was one of the 12 disciples. Uh, he's probably my favorite guy because he had a lot of passion right? Peter was a go-getter. 
And uh, I love the way he, he kind of approached life. I, I, the way, I love the way he loved Jesus. Um, but there were some things in his life that God wanted to, to kind of address. And, uh, and I think there's some things that maybe God wants to address in our lives today too. Amen? So we didn't come just to hear about a story, but we came to have an encounter with God. Amen? So we're going to read out of Luke 5, 4 to get started. Luke 5, 4 through 11. It'll be on the screen. You can look it up in your Bible, on your phone. But it says this, and when he had finished speaking, when Jesus had finished speaking, see, he was talking to the crowds, and he had jumped in a boat so that he could uh, kind of have a better vantage point to talking to all the people. But when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Now, you got to understand, Peter at that point was a professional fisherman. So he'd been fishing all night, and Jesus said, hey, let's go out and, and let's, let's do something here. He says, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And we had, when they had done this, they in, enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Jesus, we give you this morning. God, we honestly just want this moment to be a moment with you. We want to have an encounter with you today. God, I pray that, that every single person in this room would draw closer to you today. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be allowed to speak to us today. God, that we would respond to your voice. That it wouldn't be just another Sunday morning that we came and went to church and, and worshiped and had a good word, but that we truly had an encounter with God. That you would change something in our hearts and our minds today. That you'd make us more like you. God, I pray that your word is anointed and that you would use it to change us. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. High five exactly six people before you sit down, please. <clears throat> Okay, that was too many, too many, lose control. Next time it's only three. But listen, what we just read about changed Peter. It changed him. He had an encounter with God, and it changed him. From that moment on, I would say that Peter was all in, that he was convinced that Jesus was the real deal because of what he saw him do. You see, he was a professional fisherman, and he knew how to catch fish. But this Jesus shows up and tells him to, to, to let the nets down one more time, and, and he did a miracle. He did something that was completely impossible. And I just want to just put it right out there from the beginning of this message that God can do the impossible. No, listen, I want to say it again. God can do the impossible because you read Scripture, and you're like, well, yeah, God did that. Well, listen, it was just fish. But God can do anything he wants to do. He can do the impossible. So whatever your situation is, I want to build your faith a little bit this morning and let you know that it's not too difficult for him. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a mental health thing. I don't know what it is, but God is not, is not scared of your situation. Are you hearing me this morning? We serve a God that still does miracles. One miracle changed this whole encounter or changed Peter's really whole life. And from that moment on, he was all in. He put away all the doubts and all the fears 
He put him to the side, and all he knew was this guy was different. And he decided to leave everything behind that he knew and decided to follow this man named Jesus. I'll tell you what, some of us in this room need to decide that, that no matter if we understand all of the details, no matter if we know how it's all going to work, we need to come to the realization that he's worth following. That no matter what, it's, it's worth leaving everything behind to follow him. You know, Peter didn't have all the details. He didn't say, well, let me see, how's this going to work? Like, this was my profession, this is what I do. But he was so convinced in that moment that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was going to follow him. He didn't ask him, how am I going to get paid this week? What am I going to eat tomorrow? What's my family going to think? What are my friends going to say? What am I going to do about my boat? He just said, listen, I'm going to, from this moment on, I'm just going to follow Jesus. I'm all in. And sometimes we spend far too much time worried about trying to figure out the details and not enough time just saying, I don't know what the details are, but I'm just going to follow Jesus. Any, anyone else in this room? And, and let me clue you in here. This is how it works for me. The more amens I get, the shorter the message. For every amen, it's three minutes shorter. Amen, 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 amen. No, I have to actually preach, but you know what I'm saying. Like, when you amen to, we are kind of a, a hollerback church. Um, not just because it feels good or not just because it's a type, but because when we're preaching the word, it's not for me. It is for me, but not just for me. It's for you, and you're saying, listen, I believe that. I'm, I want that. May it be so. I'm involved in this. Yes, Lord. That's what it means. Right? So when you hear the word of God, and you're amen. Okay, yes. Yes, God, I want that. That's for me. So it's not just to have a shorter message. Okay. After seeing the impossible happen, Peter knew that he was in the presence of God. And that's when his sin became so apparent. When you get in the presence of God, you more clearly see your failures. He immediately hit his knees and said, man, I'm a sinful man. But isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't dwell on his sin, but simply reassured him saying, can I tell you something? You're not going to be a fisherman anymore, but you're going to be a fisher of men. See, Jesus didn't dwell on his sin, and so many times, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more in the message, but we disqualify ourselves because of our sin, right? We remind him of all the things that we've done wrong as if he doesn't know. See, but Jesus didn't even address it. Peter knew he was a sinner, but he immediately hit his knees, and he said, man, I'm a sinner, and Jesus didn't say, yep, you're right, you're disqualified, no, he said, listen, get up. We're going to go do some stuff. Some of you need to give yourself a break. Now, I'm not saying sin's okay, but what I am saying is he already paid the price on the cross. So you need to get over yourself. Uh, come on now. Can we get real at 830? You need to get over yourself and put your eyes on Jesus. You're always going to, be, you're always going to have issues. You're always going to be a sinner until we're in heaven with him. But don't let your issues get in the way of doing what God wants to do in your life. Amen? So many times in my life when I feel like I, I haven't measured up or what God says I am, I don't feel like I'm really that way. I don't feel like I'm capable. I feel like he tells me that I'm his boy. He reminds me of who I am in him. And you know, I, I, I know this is from God. I, I know that some of you in this room need to hear this today. That no matter who you are, what you've done, what you think of yourself, you're his, you're his boy. 
And ladies, you're his girl. And you know, something changes when you get that in your heart, when you realize that, that I'm not going to measure up, but I don't care. You know, every time I fail, I hear him say, you're my boy. Like, I run to him and say, man, you, God, I'm so sorry. I, I messed up. I messed up. I did this. I did that. I messed up. And he says, you're my boy. That never, ever changes. It motivates you to do differently, doesn't it? It motivates you to be better. And, the, and one of the points today is this, is that, you know what, if you're going to be all in for God, you've got to take your eyes off yourself. And you've got to put them on Jesus. Somebody's going to get free in this place today. Amen? Somebody's going to get free in this place. See, Peter left everything and followed Jesus. He was all in. He bowed at his feet. He didn't worry about what others thought. You know, later on, Peter, I said, was kind of a passionate guy. Later on, in, in, uh, just before Jesus was arrested, while they were trying to arrest him, Peter cut a soldier's ear off. Peter was kind of the all-in kind of guy. This is a guy you would want on your team, right? And Jesus is like, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do, right? So he healed his ear and stuck it back on there. Pretty cool. At one other point in time, Jesus and uh, the disciples actually were in the boat. Jesus was walking on the water, and there was this great storm. Peter was the guy that got out of the boat. Like, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out of the boat, and I'm going to walk in the water with you. And he did. That's Peter. I mean, he, like, had this faith. He's that one disciple that's, like, all in all the time. Like, let's go. He was kind of part of the inner circle, you know. They had the 12 disciples, and they had three of them that they really kind of hung out intimately with Jesus at different times. But Peter was this all-in kind of guy, but there was still something in him that God had to deal with. You know, sometimes God allows circumstances to come up in our lives to reveal our weaknesses so that he can show his strength in us. He doesn't do it to be mean. He does it to make us more like him. Any of you all ever had circumstances come up in your life that revealed some things about you? I heard it said once that you know what's inside when you're squeezed. Like you squeeze an apple, what comes out? Apple juice. You squeeze an orange, what comes out? Yeah, yeah. When you're squeezed, what comes out? I mean, sometimes it's revealing, right? You hit your thumb with a hammer, what comes out of your mouth? Right? Have you ever been surprised at what comes out when you're under pressure? You ever, you ever notice that sometimes there's lack of faith that comes out? Sometimes there's pride, there's arrogance, there's anger, there's fear. You ever notice that? That sometimes when we're squeezed, it reveals what's, what comes out. And see, God's not tempting us, but he tests us. He needs to, needs to sometimes let us know where we're at because there's things we still have to work on. And unless you're perfect in this room, there's probably still things you got to work on, right? And God uses circumstances in our lives and allows circumstances in our lives to reveal things. He was about to reveal something in Peter's life. But I'll tell you this, don't run away from the opportunity to grow. When God squeezes you, when he allows circumstances to happen, he's doing it to grow you. Don't despise it. Embrace it. And say, God, I want that. Like, I want to reveal what's in here. And you know, I've heard it said that the teacher never talks when he's given a test. So some of you are going through something, and you're like, but where are you, God? Where are you, God? He's right there. He never left. He's right there. But what he's saying is, listen, I want to see what's in there. Because I'm not done with you right now. This isn't the end product. It's not like, okay, you're good. You gave your life to Christ. No, I want you to become more like me. So there's some things in there that we need to deal with. Amen? So that's what's happening here in Peter's life. He was an awesome guy, and he had a heart for God, but he was still just like one of us. You know, as a matter of fact, all the disciples were 
more like us than we realize. And, um, you know, we look at, at the Last Supper. Jesus was about to be crucified, and, and uh, he's got all the disciples around the table, and he institutes communion, right? So get this picture. It's a somber moment. Jesus knows what's coming. I don't, they kind of, maybe kind of a little bit knew, but didn't really understand what was happening. And he, he says, this is my body that's broken for you, right, the bread. And, and this is the, the wine, and this represents my blood. And, and so this somber moment, and just after that, Scripture tells us that the, the guys begin to argue about who was the greatest. Sometimes we put the disciples up here on a pedestal. Like, these are the disciples, right? No, these guys were just like us. Could you imagine these guys sitting around the table, like they, and Jesus, I, can't, I mean, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, what, what the heck? Are you guys, do you, what? I mean, anybody in here lead people? Yeah. Jesus led people. He had three, three and a half years with these guys. And if Jesus still had people issues, you're in good company. Right? I mean, that's just human nature. It's like, what, what are you doing? And that's us. That's you. That's me, right? Like, what are you doing? You don't, you don't see the moment. You don't understand it. But Jesus, even in that situation, didn't, didn't get all over him, get on, get on him. What he used is a teaching moment and said, listen, with us in the kingdom of God, it's not going to be like that. Yeah. And he went on to wash their feet and gave them an example. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to be, uh, got to be a servant, you know, and on and on and on. It's going to be different. And so he's, he's doing all this, and all this is going on. Well, that's when we kind of get to the main point of this. That he says to Peter, just following all of that, in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, he says this. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said, Lord, like passionate Peter, right? He said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you. I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die. And Jesus said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I, amen. Amen. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Here Peter is. He's, he's passionate. He's, he's ready to go. And, and Jesus is having this moment with him saying, listen, man, there's still something in there. And I'm just going to submit to you this morning. There's still something in there. There's still something in here. God's not done with us, but he's going to have to do some work, and sometimes it hurts, but are you ready? Come on. Two people are ready. Amen. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, there we go. Remember the amens. Three minutes off every time, but are you ready? See, Satan wanted to take Peter out because he knew that there was a calling of God on his life. Satan wants to take you out as well because there's a call of God on your life. Make no mistake that you and I are in a spiritual battle. Did you hear what Jesus said to Peter? Listen, Satan wanted to sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, I prayed for you. Guys, I don't think we understand the power of prayer. I'm going to say it again. I don't think we understand the power of prayer. If Jesus had to pray for Peter, what makes us think we don't have to pray? Like, there is power in prayer. Like, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm not even going to try to explain it. Or there's people that have far more wisdom in that area than me. But all I know is this. I don't have to understand how it works. I know it works. And I know I need to do it. Like, I need to pray. I need to pray. I don't know how it works, but I've got to pray because God answers prayer. 
So we need to, we need to pray more. Prayer works. I'll tell you, I know the only reason I'm serving Christ today is because my parents and a bunch of ladies every Tuesday morning prayed for Robbie. That's who I, that's what I was when I was little, was Robbie, okay? So don't make fun of me. But they prayed for Robbie, and they prayed for Robbie, and they prayed for Robbie, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And I tell you, I ran, and I ran, and I ran, and I ran from God, but they had no idea what was going on in here. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and then one day, all those prayers caught up. My mom would pray that the hound dogs of heaven would hunt me down. I'm not joking. And she would be at my door when I woke up with, like, olive oil anointing the doorpost around my door. If that's not freaky, I don't know what is. As she prays, God, may the hound dogs of heaven catch him. Mom, like seriously, that's not good. It sounds aggressive. (laughs) But I will tell you this, that because of prayer, I'm serving Jesus today. And I want to give you a word of encouragement right now. If there's somebody in your life that's not serving Jesus and you want them to serve Jesus, which you should, pray for them. And don't give up because I, I know this, I know this, that on the day I gave my life to Christ, Returned to Christ, June 9th, 1996. No one in the world thought that I was ready. I didn't look like it. I wasn't acting like it. It was a moment in time just like that that completely changed my life. And you don't know what's going on in people's hearts and minds. You don't know. Continue to pray. You need a miracle? Pray. I know a gentleman that that was uh, debilitated, a family of five, five kids, it kept getting worse, getting worse, getting worse to the point he's in a wheelchair. Christ follower, loved Jesus, got prayed for a hundred times. One night, they wheeled him down to the front of his wheelchair and he prayed again and he got healed. What if he had said, you know what, I've already prayed a hundred times. I've already prayed. I've already prayed. It didn't happen. I guess it's not God's will. No, listen, you don't get to decide what God's will is. Right? Believe that God's got good plans for you because he does. Believe that God's got a future for you because he does. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. God's going to do miracles. Can I just give a little plug for Thursday mornings too? I'm telling you what, God's doing something with the men of this church. And I know not all of you are able to come on Thursday mornings because of jobs and different commitments. But we are seeing answers to prayer on Thursday mornings from from 6.30 to 7.30 like I've never seen before. And when God begins to move in the men, oftentimes a mighty move of God follows. So hang on. That was just a little side note. If you can come to men's, you need to come. But Satan wanted to take Peter out. But Jesus said, listen, I stepped in and I prayed for you. There is power in prayer. The passion of Peter came out, though, in this little encounter. And Peter says to him, I'm sure quite adamantly, I will go to prison for you. I will die for you. And Jesus cuts him off and says, listen, I tell you, actually, that's not true. You believe that, you think that, you have passion, and that's fine. But there's really something in here that's wrong. Because today, you're actually going to deny me three times. You know, there's something, uh, there's something with passion. That sometimes, passionate people lack patience. My family, don't say a word. But I think God was trying to teach him something so that he could do more through him in the long run. Amen? And he's doing that with you and me. As we move on, I want to look at what happened in the garden here. And this is just after Peter cut this guy's ear off, which I think is just awesome. 
But in Luke 22, 54, it says this, and they seized him, they seized Jesus, and they led him away. And bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him. And remember, passionate Peter, I'll go to prison for you. I'll die with you. And he denied that he even knew Christ. He said, woman, I do not know him. And then just a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord looked and turned, turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. As much as Peter had passion and love for Jesus, he failed him in his greatest moment of need. So many things must have gone through his mind at that very moment. Confusion and fear, I'm sure. He was thinking, I don't know what the last three years, three and a half years were all about. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to end this way. I don't understand it. Like God put a calling on my life and, and now I'm not doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do. Or, or God led me in this direction and now it didn't work out. Or, or I thought I was going to marry that person, right? And, and it, it, it didn't work. Or, or I thought we were going to have kids and we didn't. I don't understand. Like I felt like God was doing this, but here I am in this, in this moment and I failed. I completely failed. It's done. I'm not a disciple anymore. It's over. Jesus is getting crucified. I let him down. And it was all happening because God had to reveal something in here. If you're in the middle of a crisis this morning, I want to tell you it's not the end of the story. Can you hear me? It's not the end of the story. You know, one thing that happened that Peter shouldn't have done is he was mingling with the servants. He was mingling with these people, the servants of the, the folks that came and arrested him. He was hanging out in a crowd he probably shouldn't have. He was trying to blend in. You know, Scripture says we're supposed to be a city on a hill, not hidden. We're supposed to live boldly, right? But what do you see? He's kind of just at, on a distance. He's kind of hanging around people he shouldn't. And, you know, some of y'all, like, hang around people you shouldn't, and you wonder why it's, you're denying Christ. Come on. You can't go hang out with that crowd on Friday night and then think you're going to be good with Jesus on Sunday. You got to, you got to decide how are you going to live. Like Peter, if he was going to go all in, he should have been all in. He should have been with Jesus, walking with him. You're really ready to die with him? Then why aren't you, why aren't you beside him? Right? But he's kind, of, he's kind of at a distance. And I think a lot in the church sometimes are at a distance going, I'm just kind of checking this thing out. I, I, I think Jesus is the Messiah, but there's some stuff I don't understand, so I'm going to just be at a distance. You know, it never works at a distance. you got to get in close. As Christ followers, we're not intended to just blend in, but we're supposed to be bold. Our world needs bold Christians. The once bold, water-walking, ear-slicing Peter was now following at a distance. It was his low point for sure in his life. You know, trials and tribulation will come. But God wasn't done with him. And God's not done with you. After the crucifixion and burial, these three ladies went to the tomb. And, and uh, 
We'll pick back up in Mark 16. But these three ladies, it was uh, Mary, Mary, and who I like to call Salami. Well, it doesn't really say. It looks like salami when you read it. So when I first read it when I was younger, I thought, Mary, Mary, and salami went to the tomb. Pretty cool. I wonder if they took crackers. But uh, a few of you got it. That's all right. So in Mark 16, 7, it says this, that these women, they went to the tomb. They were taking spices there. They were going to take care of the body of Christ. But an angel of the Lord was sitting inside the tomb, right? This young man clothed all in white, and an angel of the Lord is sitting there, and they said this. This is, this is the, the, the gist of the whole message. They said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Everybody say, and Peter. Now, Peter was a disciple, right? But Peter had disqualified himself. He didn't feel like one anymore. Just because he didn't feel like one, Jesus still saw him as one. How many times do we disqualify ourselves because we don't feel like we're, we're worthy anymore? Right? I just think it's awesome that this... This shows me more about the heart of God than about anything else. Go tell the disciples and Peter that we're going to go to Galilee. Let's meet there. You see, Peter didn't think he was worthy anymore to be a Christ follower. Peter failed Jesus in his toughest moment. Actually, all of them abandoned him. Peter had an inner drive and meant well, but when squeezed and under pressure, he failed. He isolated himself and he went back to what he knew. Isn't it interesting, human nature, as we go back to what we know? What did Peter go back to? Fishing. It's not bad to fish, but he wasn't called to be a fisherman. Right? He was called to go after men for God, not to catch fish. But he went back to what he knew. So then we, we go to this incredible encounter in John 21. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children. So they're out in the boat. They're fishermen doing their thing. They go back to fishing. Three and a half years later, how did he call them? They were fishing, right? Remember that? They're fishing. They go back to fishing. It's just crazy. And he's on shore again. Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And I can just imagine the eye rolls. I mean, you're fishermen. You've been out there all night. We're fishing on the left side of the boat. The boat's not that wide. Let's say it's eight feet wide. And I'm going to throw the nets over there, and I'm sure there were some. (laughs) Who is this guy? Who is this guy? But so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And he swam 100 yards to shore. You remember when he got out of the boat in the storm, and he took his eyes off Jesus, and he sank? This time he swam 100 yards, his eyes on Jesus the entire time, and he never took his eyes off Jesus again. And when he got to shore, Jesus let him have it. He, he, he did. He said, he said, Peter, I can't believe you denied me. You're such a fool. What? He said, Peter, you're a failure. Peter, that was the biggest moment of my life. Like, I needed you and you failed me. He said, Peter, I can't use you anymore. Peter, you failed. Peter, you're a failure. Now, that's what the devil says, isn't it? But did Jesus do any of that? No, no. Scripture says, fantastic. (laughs) Scripture says this that Jesus had already had some fish ready to go. 
He had a fire going. They sat down and had a meal together. He didn't bring it up at all. Can I just tell you this? Like, some of y'all need to quit reminding other people their failures. Oh, I know. It's getting, getting serious. Some of y'all need to quit reminding God of your failures. Why do you do that? Why do I do that? You think he doesn't know? See, but let me, let me drop some truth on you. That The Bible says that our sins are cast as far as the east is to the west. They're thrown into a sea of forgetfulness. He chooses to forget and forgive. Why do we remind him? Why do we remind him? Look at this. This is, the, this is the biggest failure that you could possibly have. This guy was called by God. He was one of the inner circle kind of guys. And in the, in the moment when Jesus needed him most, he abandoned Jesus. And Jesus didn't, didn't tear him into one. He didn't say, listen, you're such a fool. He didn't say you're a failure. He didn't say, now I can't use you. Not at all. So listen, I want you to know this morning that Jesus isn't t- saying that to you. You've got a clean slate today. Amen? Like Jesus is always looking forward. He's always moving forward. He's always like, listen, what can we do now? What can we do now? I already paid the price on the cross for you. Quit looking back. Quit quit living in the past. Listen, I've got a future for you. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's go. But when they had finished breakfast in, in John 21, it says this, that Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said this to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And then he said, follow me. Do you love me more than these? Is a reminder that once he had an unquenchable zeal for God, and I think God was, Jesus was trying to stir that up in him. And I just ask you this morning, do you love him? Do you love him like you once loved him? Do you love him like when you first gave your life to Christ? Do you have a zeal for him like you, like you once had? Do you still love him? Is the fire still burning? Huh? Is the fire still burning? Are you still passionate for Jesus? Is he still number one in your life? Are you still willing to lay down everything you've got to follow him? Or do you want to live life your way? How has that worked? Ask anybody that's walked away from the Lord or hasn't come to him yet. How's life working out for you? Right? It's pain. It's suffering. It's hurt. It's confusion. It's, I remember thinking before I was serving God, I just don't want anybody else to tell me what to do. If I give my life to God, then he's going to tell me what to do. Well, that's, that's not horrible that the king of the universe tells me what to do. He's got a better plan for your life and my life than we have. How's it working out? But I'll tell you, anybody that's sold out for Jesus, they've got peace, joy. Their life isn't perfect, but their life is better. So, do you love me? You know, he, uh, he asked Peter three times. I don't think it was lost on Peter how many times he denied him. I just love Jesus was just kind of making it right. 
Like, yeah, man, I, I know. I knew you were going to do that. I saw you. You saw me. We made eye contact. You were broken. But do you love me? See, because love has to be the motivation in our Christian faith. It's got to be love for Christ, right? It can't be a religious duty. It, it can't be out of obligation. It's got to be because we love Jesus more than anything else. And I know what motivates me more than anything else. It isn't that I don't want to go to hell, which I don't. But what motivates me is realizing how much that guy loves me. That he, he died on a cross for me. He paid the price for me. And when I screw up, he tells me, you're my boy. I don't get it. I don't deserve it. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to because it's truth. And listen, what needs to motivate you isn't fear. It's how much Christ loves you. And I'll tell you what, because he loves us that much, I don't want to let him down. Amen? The fact wasn't lost on Peter, I'm sure, that he asked him three times. But he never called out his sin. He never called out his failure. He didn't say, okay, we're going to move forward if you're sorry. Okay? We're going to move forward if you promise to never do this again. Peter, never do this again. Peter, you can't do that. That's the wrong way to do it. He just says, listen, you love me? Take care of the church. You love me? You'll do what I ask you to do. See, the Bible says that if you, if, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. If you love him, you'll do what the word says. And you know, after this encounter, Peter never took his eyes off Jesus again. He never, ever denied him again. You know that an encounter with Jesus changes everything. And some of you in this room, it's been too long since you've had an encounter with Jesus. Amen? Come on. Some of you in this room, it's been too long since you've had quiet time with Jesus. It's been too long since you've listened to him. It's been too long since you've heard his voice. It's been too long. You're feeling dry. You're feeling empty. You're feeling whatever. You maybe feel like you're judging yourself, all this kind of stuff. You spend a moment with Jesus, and it changes your life. Many people spend hours and days and years trying to solve problems in their lives, and there's nothing wrong with counseling. There's nothing wrong with, with a lot of other things. There's nothing wrong with reading books, but I'll tell you what, don't do that stuff before you spend time with Jesus. I found in my life that I can try to solve problems, but then I spend five minutes with him, and he solves it like that. Come on. Let's don't try to fill the gap. Let's don't put it on social media for prayer yet. Let's, let's spend time with Jesus first, Right? A moment with him, an encounter with him can change everything. As a matter of fact, Peter, about 34 years later after this, he was crucified. Peter was crucified. I mean, at one point he said, I'll go to prison for you, I'll die for you, and then he denied him three times. Well, guess what? After an encounter with Jesus, his life was forever changed. After being filled with the Holy Spirit, his life was changed. When he was crucified, he deemed it so glorious to die for Christ that he begged to be crucified upside down. He said, man, if Jesus was crucified right side up, I'm not worthy to be crucified that way. That's a changed man. And his death glorified God. Isn't it amazing that even in death we can glorify God? So in closing, I want to tell you this. The failure doesn't define us. But what we do with it and how we respond does. If you're taking notes, I'm going to say it again. Failure does not define us. But what we do with it and how we respond does. Church, failure doesn't define you, but don't quit. Some of you in this room feel like you failed God and that you're too far gone. You're wrestling with the same sin over and over and over and over again. You can't quit drinking. 
You can't quit looking at that stuff. You, you, you can't quit acting out in anger. You can't quit whatever. You've got this issue. You've got mental health issues. You've got a healing that you need. You're just wrestling and wrestling and wrestling and wrestling with it. But I want you to know that he's enough. You hear me this morning? That he is enough. Sometimes you try to hide it. You try to hide, hide the way you live, the way you think, or what you've done. But God sees it all, and he still loves you anyway. Listen, if he was here this morning, like Peter, we would fall at our knees and say, man, I'm a sinner. And Jesus would do the same thing and say, get up. We got work to do. Just like the woman caught in the act of adultery, by the law was supposed to be stoned to death. And Jesus said, get up. Let's go. Get up. Let's go. Sin no more. Let's go. Some of y'all just need to get up. The sin problem isn't solved yet. Okay, don't worry about that. Let's get up and let's go. Fill that gap with some, something else, right? Like get up and let's go. Get some help, yes. Pray, yes. Get some accountability, yes. But right now you're just stagnant. You're sitting there and you're like, and I've been there in my life where I'm like, man, I'm just dwelling on it. I'm not worthy, on and on and on. But guess what? Eventually you just got to get up and say, but God's enough. Right? You think God's bigger than depression? Oh, come on, somebody. God's bigger than depression. You got a marriage problem? It's just, it ain't working. We're different. We've changed. We've grown apart. Shut up. No, I'm serious. I'm, don't, don't, don't do that. That's a lie from the devil. You made a commitment before God, and God's going to bless that thing if you get up and walk forward. You might have to forgive. You know, some of us have to quit reminding each other of everything you've done wrong. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Married people in the room, I'm talking to you for a minute. Quit it. Quit reminding your spouse of the things they did 20 years ago. Quit reminding them of the things they did yesterday. It's not your job to, to do that. The Holy Spirit's pretty good at it. Amen? You want a healthy marriage, start loving Jesus, pray together. Don't remind each other of your failures, but assume the best. Because the Bible says his mercy is new every other day. What? His mercy's new every morning. So if Jesus gives us a fresh start every day, why can't you? And those of you that aren't married, you need to give yourself a fresh start every morning. Come on. You see, God will not give up on you. If you've walked away from him or failed him in any way, he's on the shore this morning saying, hey, friend, you want to come talk to me? Hey, friend, I got some fish over here. How's it going? Hey, friend, um, I can solve your problem, but you got to come to shore. Like if the disciples would have stayed out in the boat, that we wouldn't have had this encounter, Right? So many times we want to have it from a distance and we want, to, we want to have God do this stuff and it's kind of discreet. But no, he's saying this morning, like from Charlotte, like, hey, you want healing? Then, then you might have to run to me. You, you, want, you want that, that mind shift? You want me to heal your mind? Then you got to run to me. I'm here. I'm on shore. I'm not swimming to the boat. You got to come to me. Right? Maybe some of y'all been praying for, for somebody and it's been over and over and over again. You're getting discouraged. Hey, run to me. Let's talk about it. Maybe you need a healing in your body. Run to me. Let's talk about it. Maybe you need to get your 
relationship right with him again. Run to me. Let's talk about it. Come to me and let's have a meal together. Let's talk. You see, Peter was the one who walked on water, but he still failed. Failure doesn't have to define you as long as you're willing to get out of the boat and jump in with Jesus again. Your past does not define you or disqualify you. Your past does not define you or disqualify you. It didn't define Peter and it didn't disqualify him. The only thing that can disqualify you from serving Jesus and seeing all that he has for your life is for you to quit. You hear me? The only thing that disqualifies you from the grace of God and from moving forward with him is if you just simply quit. If you start to listen to the lies of the enemy that you're a failure or if you refuse to be moved by the Holy Spirit. But today is a fresh start. God is calling each one of us today to come closer to him. Is there anyone in the room that needs a reset? No, I'm serious. I don't care how long you've served him. Now, I'll tell you, I often run to the altar for no reason whatsoever other than I want more of him. Because there's something that happens when I move closer to him. Anybody in here need a reset today? Let's try it his way. Let's do it a little different. Let's throw the nets on the other side. If you'd stand with me. If you feel stuck, frustrated, lost, hopeless, or like a failure, all you have to do is try it his way. Take a baby step of faith and just try it his way. Do it his way. God's way is better. You know, we live in a cancel culture but we don't serve a cancel God. See, he'll never cancel you. You say the wrong thing out in the world, you post the wrong thing, you have the wrong belief system, you'll be canceled. But Jesus will never, ever cancel you. People will let you down, people will leave you, people will, will hurt you, but Jesus never will. And Jesus is calling today, will you respond? I just want to open up the altars this morning. If you feel like you just want something from Jesus today, any, anything that we talked about, all of the above, you want a fresh touch from God, you've got something you need from him, you want to recommit your life to Christ, you want to give your life to Christ, you need a healing in your body, you need a mental healing in your body, whatever you need. The altars were, were full last night of people crying out to God, and I know he's got something for you today. So I'll just give you a moment. Come on up. Take a step of faith and say, God, I want to do it your way. No matter what the past has been, some of y'all need to forgive yourself because you keep reminding God of all the things you've done wrong. And I just want you to feel freedom today because that's who he is. I want you to walk away with complete freedom. Do you think Peter walked away excited or, or still condemned after his conversation with Jesus? There was freedom. Like, boy, he didn't even call me out on it, man. I bet this was like this weird moment when they met. Like, he's like, oh man, I, what's he gonna say to me? Like, what's this gonna look like? No, listen, and Peter. Go tell the disciples, and Peter. Like, I didn't forget about Peter. Even though he disqualified himself, I didn't disqualify him. And none of you are. He loves you so much. You're the apple of his eye.
You know, I think this morning if he could be here, he'd say, listen, and John, and Reggie, and Mike, and whatever your name is, I see you, I know you. You're not disqualified. I also want to pray for those this morning. And you guys just stay at the altar. Just spend some time with him, man. This is what it's about. We got plenty of time. We did it on purpose. Got about six more minutes. But you can stay at the altar. Spend time with him. Tell him what's going on in your life. Listen to the Holy Spirit. But there's also folks in this room that want to give their life to Christ. That through this message and, and, and through being in this atmosphere, the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart saying, man, let's do this. And you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to know what it all means. You don't have to say, well, I got to give up that. I got to give up this. I got Listen, don't worry about all the stuff. He knows how to deal with that. He loves you where you're at. All you got to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and you're saved. That's it. We make it more difficult. We put all these different stipulations on it. We tell people what they have to do, what they can't do. Listen, let the Holy Spirit do all of that. He's really good at it. But what you've got to do today is say, God, I just want to do it your way. Whatever that means, whatever it looks like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it your way. I'm going to start reading the Word of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be in church. I want to do it your way because my life isn't working the way it is. I want this pain and this hurt that's in here to be gone. I don't want to carry sin. I don't want to carry shame. I want a fresh start. And again, I don't care if you've been serving the Lord a long time, but you know in your heart, like, you're not living right. This is a moment. This is what you do. Like, don't let it slip away. Don't, don't walk out of here and just say, well, another service, maybe next week. No, if you know you're living in sin and you're a believer, come on, let's fix that. Right? Like, let's, let's get right with God. If you were to and you say, man, I don't know. Honestly, I'm scared. I don't know where I'd go. Let's fix that. So we're going to pray a prayer together. Nobody's going to pray it alone. And we're just going to ask Jesus to come into our lives. And we're with you today. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.